Welcome to The Art of Being a Mum, the podcast where we hear from mothers who are artists and creators, sharing their joys and issues around trying to be a mother and continue to make art. Regular topics include mum guilt, identity, the day-to-day juggle, mental health and how children manifest in their art. My name's Alison Newman. I'm a singer, songwriter and a mum of two boys from regional South Australia. I have a passion for mental wellness and a background in early childhood education. You can find links to my guests and topics they discuss in the show notes, along with music played, a link to follow the podcast on Instagram and how to get in touch. All music used on the podcast is done so with permission. The Art of Being a Mum acknowledges the Bowendick people as the traditional custodians of the land and water which this podcast is recorded on and pays respects to the relationship the traditional owners have with the land and water, as well as acknowledging past, present and emerging elders. Thanks so much for joining me today. My guest on this episode is Charlotte Condy, artist, illustrator and designer based in Atlanta, Georgia in the United States and a mum of four children. Charlotte's experience in creative arts has spanned over two decades, over three US states and multiple media, including chalk, lino print, quilting, collage and mosaics. The bulk of her work is now digitally created, which has proved to be a great option for her as a mum of a young child, when she's frequently holding a baby and unable to fumble with inks, rollers, paints, brushes and canvases. Today we chat about how her art practice has adapted to suit her current situation, how her yoga practice influences her artwork, using her art to aid surviving through this pandemic and reflecting on the simple day-to-day events through her art. This episode contains discussion around depression, anxiety, panic attacks and a brief mention of domestic abuse. Welcome along, Charlotte. It's lovely to meet you. Thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, this is exciting. Yeah. I've never done a podcast before. Oh, there you go. It's, it's cool. <laughs> and, um, I think you might only be my third guest from America too, which is which is cool. So I'm starting to yeah starting to broaden the horizon. What time is it there for you? Is it breakfast time? Yep, it is. It's seven thirty a.m. Okay. I think you say breakfast. I actually got my breakfast here. <laughs> Time. Yeah. I, I mark my moments by just what I'm going to be eating. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like me. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Um, so you're in, am I right saying you're in Atlanta? Is that right? Yeah, Atlanta metro area. Yeah, right. So that's like, that's a, that's a big, big city, isn't it? It is. I mean, we've lived in bigger um I'm actually from Southern California, and so I grew up in Orange County just outside of Los Angeles, which to me was large, mm-hmm. um, and I guess this, it's not as big as LA, but um, it is, it's, you know, you have downtown, and then it sprawls um, for quite a while, so. Yeah, right. Yeah, lots of people.
give us a little intro into uh, what you do, your the sort of style of art that you make? Right now, I'm almost exclusively digital, um, and it's it's I guess you would kind of classify it as illustrative. Um, and I really enjoy like retro style. Like I, I draw a little, a lot of inspiration from like um, old illustrations, comics, um, ad art, stuff that um, you know people would would sell things with. I I, I don't know why. I think just because I'm a kid from the '80s, and so that stuff is so um, I don't know, comforting. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm Familiar. like old old stuff <laughs> yeah rotary phones and that sort of thing like yeah 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 that's so familiar and comfortable for me yeah so that that kind of informs my style but subject wise um i tend i tend to kind of sit somewhere in kind of spiritual but also like fun it's it's rough because the style like I love spiritual art and I love um like symbolism especially it's kind of an obsession for me the challenge is that um when you when you want to sit in that space it's almost like there's a requisite for what your art should look like right and um like (laughs) mine almost maybe I feel like could be considered crass if I want to approach some of those topics because it's it's almost gross like (laughs) looking next to other people I'm like well they have these gorgeous images of you know god or mandalas or whatever and that's not what I do I could but that's not and it's funny because I have that stuff in my home and I love putting that kind of thing in my home but that's not what I that's not how I think it's weird it's almost like a bit of a a bit of a juxtaposition sort of thing like you sort of I don't know yeah yeah because it's like approaching the divine from a very human way like Mm. we're still we're animals we're we are very gross in our in our behavior and in our approaches and and that's that's not necessarily anything to be ashamed of and um I think I'm trying to still find the balance of how can I how can I approach those divine aspects of myself while also recognizing that I'm still a human being um, and that I have human experiences and I'm very much a product of my time and my society. Yeah, absolutely. So it's almost like that that's really reflected in the way that the your art looks it's like it's it's very real and it's it's not I don't want to say sugar-coated but it's like this is what it's like this is what life's like right now in mm-hmm. in 2020 yeah it's really cool um so how did you get into into your art have you always been a really creative person I've always been a creative kid um my dad graduated from university in studio arts he was an artist um but that was never anything he made a living off of. Um, but he was like that point person in early childhood that introduced me to creativity. And 
Um, and music was a big part of my childhood and, you know, it still is a part of our lives. Um, I have a daughter who is all, she plays almost anything she touches. She can turn it into a musical instrument and she's <laughs> going to graduate high school with a, it's like a musical diploma sort of. And, um, but like, so the creativity has always been part of me and I was the kid that was always drawing and, um, you know, they, friends come to me, can you draw this? Can you draw this? And, <laughs> but, um, it wasn't something I was able to pursue at university. My, my mom who <laughs> resented my dad for being an artist, um, and having trouble finding jobs was like, I don't want you to do that. You're going to do this. And it was, it's, mm -hmm. it's an irony because <laughs> mom didn't want any of us to go into the arts and while we didn't, we also didn't get a job in the thing that we went to school for either. So like, <laughs> you need to be realistic about what you're expecting for your children because <laughs> like, just because you get a bachelor's degree in something does not mean that that's what you're going to be doing for the rest of your life. So <laughs> if that's a good lesson, I think is it's, I feel like, I don't know what it's like over there, but there's so much pressure here for kids to to know what they're going to do when they, when they get like up to year 12 or year, yeah. year 12 here it's like you have I to feel like have to that's know so unrealistic to do mm. yeah like and that's a common thing like and maybe it's just because we're we're products of a western civilization where they're like what do you want to be when you grow up and mm. like you can't expect a child to know what that is or to understand what that means and yeah, yeah. we'll have dreams that's fine have dreams but um like we're not all going to be astronauts and we're not all going to be <laughs> da Vinci or the president. And, yeah. and that's fine. Like I want, I want them to aspire to things, but then to also expect them to understand even at 18, what they're going to be doing. Like mm. my, so my oldest is 18. She's a senior. She's going to graduate in five months. Um, and so she thinks she wants to do architecture. And I'm like, you know, if, great, go do your generals. If you still want to do that, um, yeah, go ahead and do that. But I'm I'm leaving the room open for you to change your mind several times yeah. because yeah, I certainly did. <laughs> oh, that's the truth, isn't it? And when you get out there in the world and you actually see what there is, it's like, you know. Yeah, you don't even know what you don't know when yeah, you it. get out there, right? You don't even know. And yeah. like, I remember when I graduated, I was like, I wanted, I wanted to do um, anthropology because I love cultures and, and history and all that. And then I got into that department and I was like, this is the driest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> like my teachers were so boring. I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What a world to be stuck in. Hey? <laughs> yeah. Like this um. is not my cup of tea. And I, and I, I married my husband while we were in school and he's an accountant and he's like you, you should take an accounting class I'm like yeah okay and I took basic accounting I'm like no this is not my thing <laughs> oh dear no when you know you know don't you <laughs> yeah. or you just you know by trial and error you're like nope that's not me either <laughs> yeah oh I love that
So you started to, you mentioned about your daughter's, he's 18. Tell us about your family. So we have four kids. Um, we have three teenagers and a 20 month old. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So um, our oldest three, we adopted all of them as infants yeah. in our 20s. And, um, and then I got pregnant when I was 38 and <laughs> had a baby at 39. Um, so yeah, I have an 18 year old, a 16 year old, my son will be 14 next month and then the baby. And so that's, that's a fun dynamic. Like it's not that bad. It, the thing I love about having the baby again is that she brings up and reminds me of all the times with the other kids which was nice you know because like it was so long it was 12 years since I had had a baby and I had forgotten a lot of those things um and so she'll do things I'll be like oh I remember when you know my son did this or the other girls did this and yeah. like it just I feel <laughs> I feel bad that like every single moment with her I'm just grabbing onto. <laughs> because I feel like she's probably the last one and yeah. I I like often go to bed crying because I'm like oh I just missed this and I'm so sad that it's gonna go away soon and my husband's like what's the problem like she's gonna go to school in a year and a half she's like you're gonna be okay <laughs> she'll come home at the end of the day <laughs> no I wanted to see oh. her. but isn't that oh. nice though like you say you you sort of it's like you're appreciating every all these moments you're yeah. really present and you're really experiencing everything like that's really lovely yeah I regret that I wasn't as present for the older kids as I am for her I didn't appreciate it when I was in my 20s and I was you know trying to juggle three children close together they're all they were all two years apart each of them and so I remember taking my oldest to school I would walk her to kindergarten she'd be like, I had a double stroller. So I'd have the two girls in there. And my son was like on my chest and I would walk, you know, like a mile to the school and people would look at me in their cars. Like, what is she doing? <laughs> <laughs> and I just like fumbling with all these children. <laughs> oh. And it was crazy times. Like, um, the one story that like <laughs> one morning, so my son, he's huge. He's, so he's Tongan and Samoan, big boy. And he was a big boy at birth, but he learned how to crawl out of his crib at six months. And so oh. I couldn't contain him at yeah. that point. And then nap time was like, well, you're just going to sleep wherever because I can't keep you anywhere. And so one morning, I remember he had crawled out of his crib down the stairs into his sister's room. And suddenly I'm still in bed and I hear this screaming and I run down there and he had pooped on one of my daughter's beds. <laughs> my, my oldest daughter and my oldest daughter had run to the living room. She's cowering in the corner, like screaming. And then my other daughter, who is like a, um, like a compulsory vomiter, like started oh. barfing <laughs> because it grossed her out so much. Yeah. So I have one kid screaming, one kid barfing, and another one who just pooped on the sheet. And my husband looks at the situation and he's like, I need to go to work. I'm like, what are you doing now? Don't leave me here. 
Oh my goodness. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, that, that's parenting in a nutshell, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't leave me alone. Oh my gosh. So I hesitate to ask, but during that time, were you able to do any of your art? <laughs> Not at that exact moment, but you know. <laughs> oh, so the creativity has uh, evolved and changed over time, and it certainly accommodates to uh, the situation. Um, when I was with them, when they were little, there was a lot of, um, I did like uh, collage stuff, mosaics. I did a lot of quilting, yep. um, like appliques, stuff like that. Um, but it was also things like gifts and stuff for me or the home. Mm -hmm. um, and when let's see my son was four it was right before we left california so my husband is he wasn't in public accounting so he worked for a large accounting firm out of uh, orange county los angeles area and um we were there for eight years and it was it was a good life but we certainly couldn't afford to give the kids the life we wanted to give them there and it was his job was so demanding it was often 18 hour days oh, wow. it was it was not yeah it wasn't when we got married it wasn't this was what we wanted <laughs> and so we're sitting there reevaluating that with children and we're like we don't want to do it this way and he he recognized he's like you know the thing i do enjoy is teaching the new recruits every year when they when they would go out um they would bring in new employees and they would train and he's like that's the part i love the most was teaching the new people and so we decided to go to graduate school in the middle of that and so we took three children with us to madison wisconsin um, and he pursued his PhD so he could then teach. So now that's why we're here in Georgia is he teaches uh, in the business school. Uh, he teaches accounting. And that has been, while that was a, a tremendous challenge to, to go through, that was definitely worth it because now he can take my son to football practices and be there and he can come to concerts with the girls and he can... And this is the most time he has spent with one of the children ever at this age, this little age. Like yeah. he missed a good chunk of the older kids' early years because he wasn't around. Um, and so that's been nice. But I'm sorry, and that wasn't even really the answer to your question. <laughs> um, it's so good. But before, right before we left, right before we left California, I had started doing competitive chalk um mural competitions um california is like the perfect uh environment for that because it's almost warm 
all year long and the weather's nice like it's very rare to, you don't have a wet season certainly and so um we lived in mission viejo at the time and they had a chalk festival and i um i was like i should try this and it was so fun that i went out of my way to like find other ones and so i would do several a year mm-hmm. and i did uh two with my dad in salt lake city um that was usually over the father's day weekend which was really fun because uh, i knew he would enjoy that um and then and oftentimes we or i would win some of them which was validating <laughs> like especially if they were a cash prize um so but that was something that i was able to do when we were living in wisconsin it was a little more of a challenge because part of the year you certainly can't be outside but um i remember kind of the beginning of the end of it though was when i drove i think it was three or four hours to iowa for one and i i won it but it was gift cards to the town that it was in oh. <laughs> like i don't even live here <laughs> i'll never be back here <laughs> and i was like okay i need to weigh like my costs and expenses for this like because it was not just time but it was like gas money and mm-hmm. time away from my children and so yeah <laughs> <laughs> I think things uh, definitely picked up in Wisconsin. I had a good friend, um, still a good friend. I just haven't been able to communicate with her as much since we've moved, but she um, was a designer for American Girl and the doll company. And she um, she made a Christmas card one year doing lino print. And I was so like struck with that uh, that method I was like that looks like something I could do and it was and I got into that a couple years before we left Wisconsin and that's when I actually started selling things um was with that and it was something I could do I kept all the supplies in my basement next to the washer and dryer and I would go down there after kids would go to sleep um and work or I would do it um like if they were at school and I was um, off work or whatever, then I, I would take a few hours and do that. I noticed on your on your socials you talk a lot about using your iPad like doing digital drawing yes so it's like yeah. you, your practice has evolved to suit um what's it has yeah yeah um so the iPad my husband bought me an iPad for Christmas in 20 I think it was the Christmas of 2019 so it was the Christmas I was pregnant and um and actually to back up a little when i first got pregnant um i was so tired and i couldn't do anything Mm. like 
I I had I had bought all these supplies to actually start screen printing because I wanted to start doing that and I had made screens and I had all of these things already and I suddenly got very tired <laughs> I was like I can't I I didn't produce anything those entire almost nine months I didn't do anything and and I know that sounds crazy and I I would wake up I'd be like how do people go to work and be pregnant like how did they show up at work because I had to take a nap every single day and I was lucky that I had that option <laughs> it's like I'm just gonna lay down here and just take the three hour nap because I just couldn't couldn't do it and luckily I, I was selling uh stuff at a local boutique at the time and they were like oh yeah take the time you need and that was really nice so I got the iPad though that was a game changer but it took almost a year to figure out what I was doing because I didn't I I knew there were programs and I didn't know what they were and I didn't know who to who to talk to and so finally I, I sat down and I I I got I used Procreate and then I got a Skillshare uh subscription to learn how to use these things because I I was like I can't I used to be able to pick things up I I learned how to use um Adobe Photoshop when I was like 16 years old and without tutorials before there were tutorials and now I don't know if it's because I'm old but I'm like I I can't just I was it took me like nine months of sitting here and I was like I don't know how to use this like I would try and even even the the company's own little walkthrough how-tos I was like nope I need I need a YouTube video or something so finally I yeah I just got Skillshare and that that's that's where it took off so like and I need to post something about this because looking at just what I had started doing last year in January to now it's huge Mm -hmm. um just being able to understand the medium that was a huge learning curve yeah ah good on you I love watching um your little videos where you actually show how you how you yeah did it. that's so cool um because like i'm not a cool. at all so i love i love seeing people draw and paint and yeah oh that makes I, me happy yeah it's it's rough because it's easy for me to share the videos from the ipad the rough part is setting up a tripod to actually videotape me doing it because then i'm like i gotta do this at during nap time when she's not around to like knock over the tripod um, <laughs> and so it's just like another I need to actually plan to do that. <laughs> yes, that's it. It's a whole other thing, isn't it? Yeah. Oh. comes to creating is it it is it literally around nap times bedtimes is that so how you so it used to be that first year of her life before she started moving um I had a baby in one hand and the ipad in the other hand and I would draw and I would hold her and it was very like 
So I was like, I could do this forever. It was mm-hmm. great. And then she started moving and then things got it a little more challenging. <laughs> <laughs> so now like sometimes she'll get distracted for an hour. Like we'll sit and watch a show or whatever. And I'll just kind of grab my iPad and draw while she's watching. <laughs> but usually it's when she's napping or she's sleeping. That's when like serious stuff gets done especially if I want to uh, record anything I'm doing mm-hmm. it just has to happen when she's she's asleep can't do it when she's awake yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, very grabby <laughs> oh I work in childcare, so I completely can relate to the age you're talking about <laughs> but I mean the, the medium's great because like I I realized after she was born and I had my studio still everything was still out and I looked at it and I said you know I don't think I can do this for a while like I can't come back to printing for a while because it's just not conducive to the current situation that I'm in so like I packed it all up and I'd also started oils (laughs) like (laughs) I'd started oils (laughs) and then I was like yeah this isn't gonna happen for couple years so I just packed it all up and put it away and it's fine though because I I can take the iPad anywhere and cleaning that up is a matter of a split second I can just close it and and she can't get hurt I don't lose anything it doesn't hurt the house it doesn't hurt her so yeah it's it's just it works perfectly can you see yourself going back to to that more you know hands-on physical stuff I I I do and I want to I am putting a piece together actually for an organization that is like a physical piece it's going to be like a mosaic and that's it's just rough going because it's something I have to keep away and I only can do it when no one is around me um and so yeah it just limits my time and it's also tough because by the end of the day I'm exhausted and I'm like I just, I can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. There's only there's only so much that you've got to give, isn't there? You can't, yeah. You can't stretch yeah. yourself too far, or you'll just you'll just crack, unfortunately. to ask I was looking at your amazing piece um protection as soon as I saw Mm. that I just thought all these things came to mind like I thought this lady knows about the mudras she must know about yoga so this is cool Mm -hmm. um but just the the way that it looks it's so I I'll I'll have to put a link for people to have a look at this piece because it's just incredible like you're basically linking something that's thousands and thousands of years old with something incredibly relevant that's happening right now with with the pandemic yeah can you can you tell us a bit more about the piece oh that makes me feel good you got that oh I I loved it I so yeah like so yoga is a big part of my life even though like right now it's hard to even get to but um so I, I felt so one I guess 
this year kind of like a personal goal was just to really start doing stuff that um, spoke to me that that could say something that I couldn't really say with words and but that also was uh, putting parts of myself out there and because um, for me spiritually I come from a lot of places and um, yoga feeds in a lot of that um, but I think these last two years and it's been rough because I had a baby at the beginning of the pandemic Mm. and it's already challenging to be a parent of a small child but then you're a parent of a small child and you just don't know what's going on like Mm. like I understand the science and I understand only as much as you know, any epidemiologist is going to share with me and and put it in terms that I understand. Uh, it's it's scary, and and my my baby can't be vaccinated yet, and so like trying to navigate what feels like a brand new world that's very scary. I feel like I need to draw from the things that I've known for as long as I can remember that. I feel comforting and I feel like give me peace inside. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and pairing that with what I do understand logically uh, will keep me safe as much as it can, you know? And it's like a, every day I have this kind of, I have, a, you know, every, we all have these mental conversations with ourselves all day about, you know, how am I going to keep going um, when I don't really know what tomorrow's going to be like? I don't really know, am I going to be safe? Is my family going to be safe? Is my country going to be safe? Like, yeah, it's, um, it's an exhausting environment to live in. And I, I, the people I feel most sad for are my teenagers who are going to be remembering this for the rest of their lives I don't think my baby will I hope um I would hope that she'd be resilient enough to um this will be normal for her this this is she won't know any different but my older kids do and I've seen um how this has been a real struggle for them like I had to get everybody in therapy the last year I had to get everybody on medication this last year um and so for me this concept of protection it's we have to arm ourselves with everything we know in order to move forward into the unknown Listening to the art of being a mom with my mom Alison Newman. Some of the other pieces I, I saw on your website, you're sort of looking at day-to-day things like there's things about anxiety, self-love, postpartum, the garden, mm. just, just everyday experiences, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, and, and those are those were all part of a series I did for um 
gallery in Utah. Yeah, I mean, because when you're a mom, when you're a parent, I feel like the world kind of shrinks for you, right? And you're focusing on just that that one little person or, you know, maybe a couple of little people. Um, and you are so involved with all of their needs because their needs are immediate and they rely on you completely for everything. And mm. um, But it's been fun to be present in that this time like not to really worry about all the other things maybe I want to do because I know I'm gonna get to do them again Mm. and I um like really recognizing how short these moments are with her right now I appreciate all these little things and so she just loves walking down the street and so we'll go out to the street and she loves to look up at the planes that fly by and she she tells me about the birdies that are in the trees and she loves like people some people still have Christmas decorations up and she'll want to go look at the Christmas decorations and like just appreciating all those little moments um and being able to be a little kid with her Mm. um is very soothing and just simplifies like it just kind of keeps my brain calm mm-hmm. um because yeah like and especially it feels like right now it's so isolating we're tr- we've tried to be so careful um I don't get a lot of social interaction and so it's when when you're isolated you tend to get more depressed and mm-hmm. um there's a lot of self-talk that ends up being you know not I mean, maybe negative, but certainly not helpful or productive. Hmm. And so, I mean, parenting is so isolating, but so is this. (laughs) So is living in a pandemic. (laughs) And (laughs) it's like, I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'd like to be honest about all those feelings, mm-hmm. but also recognizing that um, they're not forever. They don't have to be forever. Yeah, it's it's hard because when you're depressed, um, or when you're you're living in this heightened sense of anxiety for months at a time, it feels like it's just gonna it's never gonna end. It's mm-hmm. never gonna end. Um, but I do, rem- I know that that does end. Um, so, I mean, I've, <clears throat> I've lived with anxiety and depression for over 20 years and, um, like I've taken medication for it and I still do. Yeah. Um, one of the hardest parts about being pregnant was I couldn't, and I had to get off it as quickly as, um, and safely as I could. Yeah. But I was, uh. I was a mess when I was pregnant and I mean I love being pregnant which is so Mm. crazy yeah um that like you're miserable but you're also so in love and uh like I would love to be pregnant again but I also recognize that I was a mess and like I just some days just I couldn't get out of bed I was I was just so deeply depressed or was just so anxious. And that was before the pandemic. Like that was, 
I don't know how I could be pregnant now. <laughs> like, oh yeah. gosh, I don't know how women do it. <laughs> topic of um mum guilt do you do you have any thoughts on that term that topic yeah I've been thinking about that um so like I think that's a for real thing but only because we've made it right like I feel like it's such a product of our society yep like especially in societies that don't serve women and and I can I don't know Australia's system very well, so I'm not going to speak at all to you. <laughs> but mostly just to mine, where we the one thing I've noticed. Okay, so the big eye-opening thing for me about this pandemic was it truly revealed how much my country's economy relies on the free labor of women. Uh, oh, and yeah. I say that because of the way it went down when schools couldn't meet. And people had to quit their jobs, and it was mostly women uh-huh. who quit their jobs because someone needed to be home with all these kids who had to go to school. And what hurts is no one's said anything about that in the government's like, no one's recognized that. Mm. Plenty of women are saying, Do you see how like crippled the economy is? Because you are relying on half of us to leave our workplace and stay home to make things move forward as best they can. Mm. I, and so certainly when you have a system like that, that doesn't value the, the work and the impetus of half of the population, of course, we're going to get guilt. We're asked to raise human beings and also contribute to society as if those two things are different huh. as if as if parenthood isn't a contribution to society it's not valued because there's never been a monetary value placed on it uh-huh. but it's obvious now because no one noticed that people are working at home to raise human beings for the society without any kind of financial compensation or recognition. And, and then we're punished when that job is done and we want to go back into the workforce. We're punished because we had been home the whole time. Like, well, yeah. we have certainly been doing things. Like yeah. we've been economizing, we've been transporting, we have been like, we've been doing accounts and receipts. Like you cannot tell a parent that they're not doing stuff for the economy just because they're a parent. Mm. Um, So like, of course you're going to have guilt in that kind of situation. Um, I just feel like now, (laughs) and especially now I'm like, I am not at all guilty for staying home right now. And I'm not at all guilty about taking time for myself when I need to. 
-hmm. like I I'm I'm fortunate enough that we don't need two incomes right now um we did when we were in Wisconsin and my husband was in graduate school Mm -hmm. and I I worked I was um I worked in elementary school and I worked on a farm I did that for uh, over three years and um that was rough and I mean it wasn't just that like we also needed government assistance for food like because we we were students and we had three children Mm -hmm. um I just feel like uh we need to pull ourselves out of our heads even though our society may tell us or subconsciously tell us that we are not valuable as parents um that's not at all true mm-hmm. um because without us the society would fall it mm-hmm. wouldn't even exist um i feel like every parent needs to take comfort and pride in that but also it should move us to maybe request more demand more i feel like what what gets me so fired and angry right now is that like my government is trying so hard to pass things to help families and it's not happening and i'm i'm so mad (laughs) i'm like this has like exacerbated and exposed all of the worst parts of our system that we've been relying on and we're not doing anything about it. Like, it's obvious, it's clear, like the numbers are there, but uh, they're not doing anything about it. And it's, I think, uh, I think it's Meg Conley. She's a writer. It, I should send you her stuff. She's amazing. And she has talked about this a lot. And it's, yeah. it just like puts fire in my mom bones. Like, it's just, <laughs> this is, this is not the podcast for that. I'm sorry. <laughs> no it's so good it all ties in I mean this is this is what you know your thoughts and your opinions that's what influences your your work so you know it's yeah like, what I mean and it's to be a, a parent like you're I feel like you're in the trenches of economies like it's just that that influences every part of your life as a parent So the other topic I love talking about is identity. So that idea that, and I mean, we've sort of, we've sort of talked, touched on it briefly in in this last, the last topic we spoke about, but when you become a mum, that's it. That's all you are. You're just a mum. You're not. Mm -hmm. Did you ever feel like, or, or at the moment feel like when, as a mother, what happens to the Charlotte? who you were before Mm -hmm, for sure especially when I was a young mom like I wanted to be a mom like obviously we went out of our way to be parents because we adopted but that still happened like I still you're you're worrying about someone else all day Mm. and um you're meeting all of their needs all day long it it feels almost like you're disappearing as a human being and I, I 
I felt that and I, I get that argument too. Um, but I, I do have to swing back to now how quick that time is. Mm. Like it, in the moment, it feels like eternity. Like in, the days are long, but the years are so short. And um, the roughest part for me, while it was so hard when they were little and I felt lost sometimes, was when my son went to school though because then I was like what am I going to do with my life like it's not like they don't need me now but it's a different need like they're kind of self-sufficient and they're going to school for a good chunk of the day like what am I going to do and that is when the art got pretty intense for me mm-hmm. because um I needed to explore that for myself Um, and I certainly had other responsibilities. Like I had to go to work and stuff. Um, two jobs I hated, like I loved the farm. I loved, and I, that was, that's a job I would always take, but working at an elementary school, I hated that job and the kids were cute. But if you ever want insight to like another failed system of a large government, (laughs) it's public education. (laughs) Like I, I will, I will die on the lines for any teacher who works in public education because those people are underpaid and they are unprepared for all of the things that happened there. I was, I was verbally and physically abused by children for several hours a day. And it's like, no adult is prepared for this. Like, they don't prepare you even even as a parent I was there and I'm like how can you behaving this way like I don't understand you're someone's baby why are you so mean to me I'm a grown-up I hated that job (laughs) so the art though has been cathartic therapeutic and an opportunity for me to come back in touch with myself mm-hmm. and um, especially that inner child work that I felt like really needed to be done. I had a pretty abusive home life as a kid and like kind of sorting that out for myself and, and, and still doing it. Um, the art is what gets me through that like that's um and I know even people who aren't creative or don't don't turn to creativity to help themselves through that that sense of self like there's always something right and and I'm not saying that work is the answer because it isn't always but um I think maybe maintaining a perspective that our life moves in seasons and cycles and it's it's easy to say especially as a female um where we 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 literally have a season and a cycle every month or whatever um but knowing that our our life if we can if we are lucky enough can be long and um 
there are things I'm doing now I'd never imagined I was doing 20 years ago. And I'm sure there will be things I'm doing in 20 years that I've never even thought of. Yeah. Like maybe I'll, I'll, maybe I'll go back to graduate school. I don't know. Like the, their possibilities are, are endless. And I think um, we don't need to necessarily peg ourselves into one little box because we're always growing. We're always changing just like our children. And that never stops. If we're, if we're lucky enough, we never have to stop growing. We never have to stop learning. And um, just because we're not the same person we were 20 years ago, doesn't mean it's a bad thing. Mm. Maybe it's a good thing. Yeah. I like that. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) That's an answer. Yeah. And I like that how you, you articulate that we're always growing and changing just like our children like you and that and being that sort of ties into being really present experiencing the experiencing the moment and then knowing that that will pass and then you'll have another moment yeah like it's a really good way yeah. of looking at things and it, I guess that helps to stop people like feeling really overwhelmed because you can be stuck in a moment and be like oh my gosh this is just so it's never going to end you know but it's like actually it's okay because things yeah. change I mean, and that's what I love. The basics of yoga is mm. just breathing. And your mind, you can't stop your mind from thinking. You can't mm. stop thoughts from coming, right? But if you just focus on your body breathing for a minute, just just think about your lungs filling with air and it coming out again. Just being in that moment with your body. Um recognizing that this is what you're doing and that's okay and it's hard like I I suffered terrible panic attacks um when we were preparing to move down here and after like Mm. I I had thyroid disease for over 10 years and then my thyroid started to make its own thyroxine again and I became hyper um to the point where I was having panic attacks and and then when you have panic attacks you feel like you're dying like you don't really understand what's going on with your body until you've had one and then so then when I was having them I recognized okay something is definitely going on with my body and I had to go to the doctor and get that taken care of but um in those moments like when you are overstimulated um or panicked or you feel like you can't get out of that moment Mm. it is hard to focus on just breathing but that's like the only thing you need to do and I like I'm not a doctor and I'm not a, a yoga teacher or anything I just I just know that 
um, if you can just try and focus on that basic thing that that keeps you alive in that moment and then and then do it the next moment and do it the next moment like helping um helping my children that you know this last year like overcome real mental health challenges mm. um reminding them that you know what it was a bad day today it was a really bad day um let's go to bed and we'll wake up in the morning and we'll just try again yeah. you know yeah. and and that's all you can do mm. sometimes yeah absolutely yeah and that's really good to like tools and skills to be able to pass on to your children that you know how to manage as I've had a similar experience with my eldest this year he's um four is he now 13 so last year he started mm-hmm. high school here and that just complete overwhelm where you can't yeah think, you can't think you can't process stuff you just get in this panic state mm-hmm. about just come back to your breathing we we call this the square breathing so you're like in for four out yeah in for four out for four and just just bring yourself back to mm-hmm. what's present moment what's actually happening you know it's such a powerful thing yeah. it's like it's so simple but it's ridiculous but it's just you know <laughs> yeah it's so powerful and you forget that for it's sure. there you forget that you've got this breath that's keeping you alive you don't even have to think about it, you know. Yeah, because it's something you don't have to think about. Yeah, yeah, no, it's that's a really that's a really good tool. When it comes to your your art, um, probably not so much your littlest one, but for your older kids, do you feel it's important for you that they see your contribution, that you're making what you're putting out to the world? Yeah. I mean, I think one, it's definitely important that they see that I am taking time to do something that I like. Um, Because I think that's like vital to maintaining you know, yourself as an adult, um, you need to be able to have those times to do that, um, even if it's just watching television. But um, being productive, not that your value is based on productivity, but doing something you enjoy and having people see you do that. I think that's valuable. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that helps them because then that, that gives them permission to do the things that they want to do. Like my son loves football right now. <laughs> and like more than pretty much anything else. And <laughs> and we have had to have talks about, look, I still need you to work on school. I still need you to focus on that because that's kind of important. I mean, I love that you love football, but I also need you to get a good education. Um, and then my, my daughter who loves music and 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 I think we all we all try and support each other and the things that we love and 
I mean, if you're you're lucky enough, you'll get to spend your life even making money doing the thing you like. But even if you don't, that's going to be something that's going to be part of your life forever. That's going to be enriching and therapeutic and help you just help you feel you like you yourself. You know, I mean, it, mm. it just feel comfortable in yourself, in your skin, um, doing what it is that you like. And, mm. um, and then for them, they're all on social media too, which is fun. And <laughs> they'll come to me and be like, mom, you swore on Instagram today. I'm like, yeah, I did. Didn't I? <laughs> I did. I have people watching me, but then they uh, they'll see the stuff that I put out there, and they'll see they'll even watch you know me explain things about it. And it's not like we have those conversations about my work at all, mm-hmm. but um, I think it's valuable because um, when you see other people doing things they like. And then also getting an insight into the way they think about it or, or how they're thinking about it, something maybe you'd never thought about. I mean, that's what I love about social media is that I get to meet people I would not have otherwise ever met in my life, and I get to learn about them and what makes them tick. And, and I, I have, like, these relationships with some of these people that are so, like, dear to me. And like, I think about them when I'm not on social media, I'm like, I wonder if they're doing okay today or, mm. and that, that's, that's super sustaining, especially right now when I don't get out <laughs> to yeah. meet people and I don't get to do that. Um, but it also, it just kind of opens my mind to people I've never met or people I have not experienced, like. And getting to know them, like I love that. And learning things about them helps me change my behaviors. Like this last year, um, I've had like a hard time for the last couple of years celebrating American Thanksgiving and really listening to indigenous people talk about what that holiday means to them um, has definitely helped me reflect on what I can do in my own life to better support them and to um, to be the type of friend that I would like for myself. You know, like I want to be a friend to them as, and I, I just, what changes do I need to make mm. for myself to be the person I, I'd like to be? Yeah. So some real sort of, some navel gazing I suppose and a bit of soul searching. Yeah for sure. Yeah. goal for a while actually to um start putting out some illustrations for children's books and that's like I really hope I can get that 
underway this year like yeah. I think about it and I, I think about it and then like another project comes up or whatever and so it just never gets to my plate um yeah so I I want to do that but the other thing I'm really interested in doing is uh illustrating some I don't know if you've ever heard of Howard Zinn he uh, is I think so yeah so he's a social scientist he wrote the people's history of the United States and it's it's a lot more comprehensive uh history of our country that is often not taught mm. in schools um I think it's actually a college level book but I, I read it and I was like, I love this book so much. And there is a children's one, uh, primary school uh, equivalent that they created. It's like the Howard's in Education Project. Um, and they have like, and I, I, I had bought the children's version for my kids, but it's not like a children's version. It's more like high school level, I think. So I would love to maybe start doing some illustrations of those stories. Mm -hmm. um, yeah even just to share on social media like i i love that it's it's tragic that social media is now like a default education system <laughs> but um and and it's tricky right because there is that tremendous possibility of um misinformation and mm. disinformation and like there's stuff that definitely is absolutely bonkers that's not real that's out there yeah. um but if we can somehow teach each other how to find reliable adequate sources of information and share those um i, I can only think that benefits everybody right oh, so. yeah for sure yeah there's there's a lot of education to be had decided um kind of the end of last year that like I really need to start moving towards people and bodies like mm -hmm. I can do them I just don't because I'm so I don't know what tone to strike yet with them and so I was like well I'm gonna start with hands and mm -hmm. I I know mudras and I I know symbols well and I'm gonna start with that so there will probably be more like protection coming out yeah. yeah, yeah. I look forward to that. That'll be awesome. <laughs> That's not the word. You know what I mean. It's gonna be wonderful. I do know what you mean. <laughs> it's too early for, for big words over here. No, <laughs> That's all right. Uh, I'm I'm about I'm about to wind down mentally. Like it's about time for me to make dinner and yeah. <laughs> after dinner, I'm like, all right, I got about two hours before I can put the kid down, and then I'm just like gonna. Yeah. ease into my bed and like listen to podcasts and draw until I get oh. really tired <laughs> that sounds really lovely <laughs> it is thanks for your company today if you've enjoyed this episode I'd love you to consider leaving us a review following or subscribing to the podcast or even sharing it with a friend you think might be interested if you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the podcast, please get in touch with us via the link in the show notes. I'll catch you again next week for another chat with an artistic mum.
Edge Dwellers Cafe is a fortnightly-ish, long-form interview-based podcast featuring conversations about politics, environment and mental health in a world on edge with Ben Habib. Ben is an international relations researcher, environmental educator, mental health advocate and long-time friend of mine who enjoys having a yarn over a hot coffee. The podcast tries to make sense of the different kinds of edges that define us, divide us and shape how we interact with each other in a world that's gone a little bonkers and what it means to be a little different. Check it out at podbean.com or wherever you get your podcasts.